0: Food, finance, and politics, and basically whatever I want to talk about. Hello, and welcome back to Weissology. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Valentina Musi, who some of you might not know, or some of you might not know her by that name. You might know her as Sweet Portfolio on Instagram. And she is a food influencer, a foodie herself, uh, in addition to being a cat lover. Um, <laughs> Valentina, welcome.
1: Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast.
0: Well, I think um, let's leave the thanks for later and we'll see how it works out. Um, <laughs> um, so, Valentina, tell me, tell me. Um, um, in, the, in the world of food, um, what drove you uh, to become a, a food influencer? And the reason I ask this is because, listen, when I moved to Miami, and when I left New York, uh, Instagram was popular. Um, social media was certainly was popular. And it was on, definitely on the upswing. But uh, food influencers were a very small knit group. And they really were about um, you know, checking out, at least in New York, they were about finding the hidden gems that the big, big uh, traditional media outlets would visit. So fast forward to now, and you're this like major player in the food influencing world. And how did you how did you start the food influencing? And uh, how do you see it today versus how it was, I guess where I know it is just, like you'd read a food review in the New York Times or something like that
1: okay I started about three and a half years ago and I was I think the beginning of college I had taken a gap year so the timing was right for me and I started traveling a lot with my one of my childhood best friends so we met up in New York and we spent A month in the city, and I think that I got started like everyone else, like in New York. So we were watching all those Business Insider videos on Facebook, and we were obsessed with the crazy foods. So we made a bucket list, and we spent just one whole month eating. That's all we did. And we planned our breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, ice cream, everything in between, coffee, just trying to hit those really cool spots that I hadn't found back in Miami so I started to take photos of this and share them with my family. And then i posting them on Snapchat because that's what I used to use back then. And my dad was very annoyed by it. I have a very close relationship with my parents. So my father was super annoyed that he could not see the photos because I he wasn't on Snapchat. He wasn't going to download Snapchat. So he says, why didn't you just add them to Instagram? He wasn't a person that used Instagram. He had an account with five followers. But he was like clear to open the app and see what I was up to so I said okay I'll give it a try but I I continued with my trip so when I got back home uh, I spent like the first week brainstorming a name I wanted to stay away from the word food just because I didn't that's not a good keyword to have because there's so many food accounts that have the word food in their username so it's not good SEO because Every time you look up food, you're not going to find me. But if you look up Sweet Portfolio, I'm the only one. So I tried to also kind of set myself apart from others. And the first couple of months, I was just really studying Instagram and how it worked. I had never followed a single food blogger in my life at that point. I didn't even know this was such a huge niche by then. I mean, I did most of my restaurant scouting. I did love to go eat out for dinner, but I i mean, when I found a restaurant, it's because I drove past it or good old Yelp. So, back then, I did not know about this whole Instagram influencer food world, but I started to follow all those big counts and study what they were doing, where they were going. And then I took it upon me to find those cool places as well. And I think that that's what most food influencers do when they first start out. They want to be the first ones to find that place and post it on Instagram and kind of get that trend started because that's how it works. You were referring that before people would go to a restaurant because they would see a review on a major publication well, now it's because you follow an influencer, or you see a bunch of people start to stories or posts there, so it becomes popular in a different way. Although this tends to be more visual, oh. rather than based on taste.
0: All right, so let, let, I want to follow up on something you just said. Um, so now people go and they follow; they, they they'll hit a spot because an influencer that someone might follow or multiple people follow, they see a post of a shot. But in today's murky world of food influencers, how is the viewer supposed to know and trust that it's a genuine post from like a a, a, an influencer's like real, like wow, this place is great versus I'm getting paid to post about this place. And to me, um, when I had my restaurant, uh, I was fortunate that people like my food. I never paid an influencer, an influencer, you know, I mean, I would give them a free meal. Um, (laughs) excuse me in in that regard. Um, but like there were a lot of times that there's several food influencers in Miami, for example, they'll come in. You don't even know they're there. They don't want free food. You know, it's not a, it's not a prerequisite. And if they like the food, they keep coming back. And then you get, you know, you develop a, you know, uh, a rapport with you know a, a relationship with with the influencers because they genuinely are interested in what you're doing and the food and you know those conversations evolve whether they're an influencer or not people want to know about the food if they really like it um and uh i you know i it's very again when i'm looking at the people that i follow i try i try to follow people on instagram that are that they're genuine about like they're doing it because they love it and, and regardless of followers. Um, mm. And it's very difficult from from a, a layman like myself, even though I, I, I cook um, and I was in the business, uh, it's very difficult to understand paid or not paid. And I realize it's now some, you know, there are some labels that said paid partnership, but I wanna know, you know, and, and, I, and I, I can weed through who's real and who's not um, and I'm not judging anyone that's getting paid but it's it tends to skew a true review of a restaurant
1: mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a very difficult question to answer just because I know um, how the foodie community works so well they call themselves foodies um, and it's difficult because after you hit those like first 10,000 followers you start to get flooded with invites a lot of restaurants want influencers to come because a they want photos and content b they want obviously attention online and they want to see and the thing is that influencers now come in packs especially the the newer up and coming accounts they usually have Five other friends with an account with a similar size. So, restaurants will invite all of these five accounts with around 10,000 followers and they all come together, take photos, and enjoy a shared meal. So, the restaurant gets a lot out of it. A, they just pay them in food, and B, they get this amazing content in return. So, it is difficult to know when it's genuine. Like, when I accept an an invitation, I usually have the restaurant, usually reaches out through their publicist and if I were to accept that formal invitation I go but I know that my experience may be different than the one a regular person that just walks in is going to have because they know I'm there and they're going to bring out the best dishes and they're going to have the best server take care of me and they're going to be polite and the chef's going to come out and I know I get it special treatment when I go in so that's why I've spent around the last year and a half going to restaurants on my own without posting stories without announcing I'm there paying for my bill of course and just really tasting the food Okay. because when somebody asks me it's very difficult to give a recommendation if I haven't genuinely experienced the restaurant. I've tried almost every restaurant around my area, like Burkle downtown by now, just because I really wanted to get to know my area and I wanted to give real recommendations. Also when I go out on a dinner date or with friends or with family, of course I'm not going to post about it because it feels like work. Although sometimes I will give a story shout out to somebody even though I paid for the meal because I want them to get that attention so it's a balance between both but that's my personal case i i cannot i do need to highlight the fact that some influencers are just driven by content and by or by money sometimes and they recommend places that are not good and that happens so it's difficult to turn down a partnership with a restaurant that pays you if their food is bad like it i just i put myself in their shoes and i understand that it's difficult to say no to money. But at the end of the day, who do you respect more, your audience or you care about money?
0: See, I was just about to ask you that. I mean, what, like, I mean, you want to be a food influencer, but you don't want to be known as a sellout, right? So, um, look, for example, McDonald's. If an influencer gets paid to to pimp a Big Mac, um, not that they would, but what's the point? No one's going to match their marketing budget. Number one, number two, and by the way, I love Big Macs, but um <laughs> but it's like a food influ- a food influencer talking about McDonald's, for example. I mean, come on! Unless they have a special item that that like it's it's super unique, like these new hot nuggets, which by the way you can't get when you go to these places now because they're always sold out. But
1: they are. Yeah. I try them. Oh, I like them. They're very
0: good. Um and I don't know if it's a regional thing or it's, you know, like if it's just South Florida or it's everywhere. But they are good, um, anyway. Um, and I bet you that they were tired of giving out hot sauce. It was cheaper to make hot nuggets, but that's just my theory. Um, but uh, you know, it's you know, like an influencer that's pimping a, a major national brand. That to me, it's just not that it's dis, it's disingenuine, but it's just I, I don't know. It defeats the purpose. Mm-hmm. Places like that don't need. And, and by the way, I I applaud any influencer that's making money from from you know to, to making an income by by selling their influence to major national brands. Um, I have no problem with that. But when someone's following you because they like your food recommendations, you know, be it recipes, restaurants, or you know, certain items you can buy in a store. Um, you know, a uh, consumer packaged good. Um, I don't. I just don't get why uh, beyond money. Why? Uh, why a follower would be interested in something like that? But again, I'm I'm speaking from someone that's got a pretty. I like to think a pretty sophisticated mm-hmm. palate. I'm also a chef, and uh, I'm a failed restaurateur. So I, you know. Maybe I don't get it at all
1: Well I personally would rather Recommend fast food Over a bad local restaurant
0: Oh yeah 100% Personally
1: I would rather Take the money from A national chain Than from a bad local restaurant And promote them Um, But I have worked with fast food before I worked with Wendy's And when I worked with them, I was very excited because when I first moved to the U.S., um, that was like the first fast food I tried. And you know, uh, I was a very very picky eater growing up. And I know that sounds funny coming from a foodie, but I would I ate my first burger about two years ago. Before that, I
0: come not eat on.
1: That. <laughs> no, you can ask my parents. I was- I
0: believe you. I just it's just an unbelievable story.
1: So I I was. Afraid of bread, like I would eat pizza and, and things that were bread-like, but I would never eat bread. Um, but after starting my account, I was forced to because these chefs would bring out the food. I was forced to try it, so I I tried burgers and I and I liked them. Obviously, I cannot compare a, a great burger like I love um, Kush in Miami and Wynwood, but obviously you cannot compare that to fast food. But anyhow, going back to, the, to Wendy's, they had chili, and I absolutely love chili. Even if it's fast food chili or great chili, I just love it in general. So that mm. was my go-to fast food because of the chili. Because it okay. was the only option I could, I could eat. So for me, partying with them made sense. I thought I liked Frosties. Uh, I do know that a brand like Wendy's has so much recognition, but in order for me to make my a living and my business sustainable, I have to compromise and work with brands like this one, although I do personally like it. So for me, it seemed like it was a good partnership. I have turned down a lot of partnerships just because they don't match my brand or it's something I don't personally believe in or I don't think it matches me. I mean, for instance, I mean, I, I don't want to name drop, but for instance, I had sunny d like the the juice, reach out i do not drink that okay it's super artificial it doesn't match me or i've had like cbd um i personally do not take that i mean i've tried it it didn't work for me so i wasn't going to promote that because when you promote one of these brands you have to make a claim that you believe in the product and recommend it to others So I cannot tell people CBD changed my life and need to use the specific brand because it did not change my life, as some influencers say. Same goes with a lot of things. Like I would not partner, um, for instance, I don't drink bourbon. I've had bourbon brands reach out to me. I personally do not drink bourbon. I do not know much about bourbon. So I cannot be the person to recommend that to you. So I personally do not take those partnerships because it's not a real thing. Or I had like the collagen brands telling me to say that I add collagen to my smoothies every day. The reality is that I wake up exhausted in the morning and I don't eat breakfast until noon. So no, I do not drink smoothie every day. Now I've been you know, I'm so tired. Like, I'm trying to make smoothie bowls and things in the morning, but I haven't. I cannot make the claim that I've been adding collagen to my smoothies for the last year, and that's why my hair is so long and pretty. Like, no.
0: Okay, well then, I, I listen. I certainly, because I'm one of your followers, and uh, in, in addition to being a friend, I, I, I mean, I started out as a follower, um, and we became we, our friendship has evolved, um, and I. Just hearing that, and but I also know you. But hearing that, and I think some of the listeners uh, hearing that will really appreciate that that um, you're not a slave to to the dollar, and you're only gonna you, you you only partner with with products that you're actually involved with in your everyday life, as opposed to just, I mean, like for example, um, you know the Wendy's thing. You you have an affinity for Wendy's. Um, which is like puzzling to me because of all the fast food places. I mean, like, I once in a while I'll do Wendy's, but but, but the frosty <laughs> is good. But it gives you if you eat it too fast, it gives you that crazy headache. That you, know, what? that you get brain freeze if you go too if you go too hard on the on the frosty, like you know, because
1: got to taste yourself.
0: I, I I understand that, but you know, at fi- you know, I'm 52 now. You, you know how many years I had to have that before I finally figured out maybe I shouldn't eat it so fast. <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny because Dairy Queen, you, you know the blizzard, right? So, yes. you know how they, they, before they serve it to you, they're supposed to turn it upside down to show you, hey, look, it's thick, it's this, it's mixed, whatever. Do you know, <laughs> I don't know what the freezing temp of a, of a Wendy's Frosty is, but you could hold that thing upside down for like 10 minutes and it will not melt I don't know how they do it. It's so goddamn cold, and you, you could you could give yourself an aneurysm if you try to use a straw, eating a frosty.
1: Um, well, I went inside their kitchen, and I saw how they made it. They just used basically a soft serve machine style thing, and it's super thick. It just looks like soft serve, but somehow it just doesn't fall.
0: It's I insane. Don't really know. It, 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 that that thing is insane. It just doesn't melt. And it's funny, when it finally decides to melt, like, three hours after you order it, it's instantly soup. <laughs> but until then, it has great ice cream integrity. Um, That's
1: very accurate.
0: So, let's talk about um, some of your favorite... Uh, first of all, tell me what your favorite food is.
1: My favorite food? Um, my favorite Your personal ever- favorite food. I'm sorry?
0: Your personal favorite food. My
1: personal favorite food. I actually had somebody ask me the other day, like, a follower just randomly DMs me and asks me, if you were on death row, what would your last meal be?
0: Okay. Which was a
1: very dramatic question, way of asking the same thing you asked me.
0: Well, I I wasn't putting a gun to your head, but, like, since the the, the follower did it, I mean.
1: Okay, well, I'm on death row. Who knows for what crime? But, um,. Two pounds of my mom's lasagna. They stirred up two pounds.
0: Now, what? That's interesting. Why two pounds? <laughs> it's your last meal. Maybe you'd have a pound, and you get something else, I or no? I want
1: to. <laughs> like when I eat that lasagna, I want to eat it until I cannot move. Like I want to enter a food coma, and then I want to be so full that I cannot drive back home, so I have to take a nap on my parents' couch.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. One pound will not be enough. No. By the way, your mom is an amazing lady. She loves
1: your food. She wants you to open another
0: restaurant. Well, oh. I, I, maybe I will if she gives me the lasagna recipe. But um, so, okay, so your favorite meal, your last meal is two pounds of your mom's lasagna. Yes. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's say you're in another part of the country or the world. Um, then I
1: have to make it myself. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you, that's it, no matter what. No matter where no you matter are, what, it's the lasagna. lasagna. Okay.
1: Um, I mean, to drink, I'll probably have some sparkling water. I think that's the only non-alcoholic beverage that goes well with pasta, in my opinion. Okay. Because I'm not going to, right before I die, get drunk, so I'm not going to drink any alcohol. So I just think, okay, sparkling water, two pounds of lasagna, and then at the end, I'm going to want something sweet. So... um. You know, it's funny. I think for dessert, I would want flan, like a caramel flan. Really? Not not the one with sweet with cream cheese. I hate that one.
0: Okay. Just like
1: the traditional egg flan.
0: Okay. Now, we're going to move from flan, and we're going to go to Miami. We're going to go to Miami food. Okay. What is – I'm going to put you on the spot here. So, <laughs> so that I warned you about this. Okay. Um. And again, this is not, <laughs> this is not an endorsement. This is your. Now you and I both love pizza. Mm-hmm. I need to know, um, your go-to pizza. And like, if someone said to you, "Hey, Valentina, let's get some pizza," you say, regardless of geography. Okay. Wh- wh- where do you go? Like if geography wasn't an, uh, uh, wasn't a uh, you know part of the equation. Um, where are you Wait, going? so
1: we're talking because you got to some Miami food, so we're talking just any any pizza.
0: No, we're talking your go to pizza place. If you're you know if in some, Miami, in Miami.
1: Okay, um, that's a hard one because.
0: And I get the I don't styles. have an
1: absolute favorite spot. I can name like. Three that I really like, and
0: mm, you can you're, you're, you you can only have your butt in one seat at one time. So
1: well, this is the thing. Like, if, I'll, I'll eat it, but I if I were to rate them from one to ten, I think they're all pretty comparable. Like, this is the thing, and I have to be straight up. I haven't had pizza in Miami ever since you closed <laughs> closed Polly That has blown my mind absolutely.
0: Well, thank you um unfortunately unfortunately it was just me and you
1: (laughs) so i cannot say yours that was my favorite but i can tell you about like three spots that i really like and i think are comparable and to me they're almost the same okay so i like mr one
0: okay i i happen to like their pizza as well
1: I always... But I, I'm very simple. I don't like the Star Luca or any of the ones with ricotta. It's not mm-hmm. my style. Okay. So I usually just get their Margarita pizza, and that's it.
0: Okay. is usually my
1: go-to. I also like Stenzione 87. They have a really good sauce.
0: Okay.
1: And another one that I discovered recently and I like because they have a very you know the Neapolitan like chewy dough. Mm-hmm. It's called Pumarola,
0: and it has like the Fiat outside in Midtown. Yeah, it's the old. Um, what was the name of that? It's Justin's place, right? Um, I don't remember the name of it. They used to have a good burger there too. They do. Yeah, they did. I, no, I no, no, no. What they did, with Pumarola replaced them. Yeah.
1: Well see, this is the thing. None of those three places have ever invited me or given me a free meal. These are the places that I order from constantly, go pick up or eat dine in. I don't have a relationship with any of these people, so I cannot tell you, oh, Chef X, Y, and C makes this a fantastic pizza. Like I I don't know who makes it. I just know it's it's good and it's consistent. So I think you notice that those are all like Italian style pies.
0: Right, Because but it's I haven't had
1: good New York-style pizza in Miami.
0: All right. Well, there's two, first of all, uh, two of them that you mentioned. Um, two of them that you mentioned. Uh, uh, Stanzione and um, uh, Mr. O-One I happen to enjoy as well. Um, in, but they're very different pizzas because, you know, Stanzione uses a, a wood-fired oven. And mister um, O One O1 uses um, electric ovens. Or well, they you might... know,
1: I can tell you which one holds up better via Uber Eats. You
0: don't have to. It's o- the O1 nine out of ten times because it's not a traditional Neapolitan pizza.
1: It's... Actually, I think last time I got Mr. O1 Uber Eats, it was so dry. It was
0: really? terrible. I, Actually,
1: know... I think. I think Stenzione holds it better Because it's a little bit closer to my apartment So maybe that's okay, why Okay, well
0: that, that that is why Because he makes a very good Neapolitan pizza um, And You know, basically Cardboard boxes and delivery Have essentially killed um, More pizzas Than dictators have killed um, Innocents in various countries it is really. I mean, cardboard is is the is not it's the so friend dramatic. of a Neil. <laughs> what about pizza, pizza warmers? Do pizza
1: warmers work?
0: No, they do not work. Now, listen. What's great about Domino's, and I don't mean to go off on Domino's, um, but and we might have discussed this before. Everyone like poo poo's Domino's pizza people. You know, real pizza people, they might they might talk down about the product. I first of all, my first job in pizza, by the way, was I was in high school. I worked at Domino's. Um, and I will tell you that a company that can build that product with that type of consistency and deliver it to your door in 45 minutes and have it taste relatively the same way every time, that's an accomplishment in itself. That is, that is to be applauded in terms of operational skill and like quality. And they do for what they're doing. And you know, I'm sure Little Caesars does it. I was never a Little Caesars guy, but but you know, and the Papa John's people, uh, you know, they all. I have, like
1: Papa John's, but
0: they've all figured yeah. it out. They, you know, they, they, like, it's very difficult. Like, if you if you like, you talk about Stanzione and 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 um, uh, O one and Pumaroa. I can't I can't speak to. I've eaten it once at the Boca Town Center, and it, it just oh, it that's
1: was, not the good. Location. I've had
0: that one. But that wasn't. Yeah, it was not. A, it was not a pleasant experience. Um Yeah,
1: because they're in the food court, so they they make their product worse. But the midtown one is like
0: legit. I don't know. I don't, I mean, okay. Well, I don't want. I, I again. I because I've only had the one, so I can't really talk about that. Right. I mean, I, educated. I just. I can tell you my experience at the town center. And seeing what they do with the dough and leaving it out like that, and when it starts bubbling on top of the bubbling, it's not a good look. Anyway, I don't want to get. It oh, I don't want to know. Yeah, no, 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 it's not a bad. It's not. It's not a gross. It's not a, like. A, it's not like a science experiment. It's just that's what you know when you leave dough out. That's what it does. It, the yeast it mm-hmm. grows. So, um, anyway, uh, I I just think that like it's very unfair to compare. Um, it's like a Big Mac. Uh, or you know, like a Domino's pizza, anywhere in the world, unless you go to some weird country where they like different toppings they don't like, you know, you know, versus what they have here in the states. It's amazing to pump out that product consistently, and I think most pr- small private restaurants try to do that the same way. But you just said that sometimes you have a good experience or a bad experience with delivery, and it all depends on who's making it, and and. And the duress mm-hmm. or stress that, you know, a, a well, certain restaurant's under.
1: Also, these restaurants invest into food scientists and they figure out a way to make the product consistent and to last the delivery period. And it's it's much different. Like, this is fabricated to last, unlike a local restaurant.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, and I'm all about local. Um but Sir Pizza won't won't travel um, But that's a You thing.
1: know what pizza place I want to ask you uh, There's two pizza places in Miami I want to ask you about That I do not like And people get really upset at me For not liking them Which ones? Okay Sir Pizza in Key Kane.
0: I, I ate there the other day And my son had a lacrosse practice there And I, I sat in, in Sir Pizza And waited
1: Do you like it?
0: Um <laughs> Now, um, it's not. It's not my. It's not my style. But I get it. Um, you know, one thing about one thing about pizza, that that um, you know, pizza is a comfort food, right? So, like, if I was living and grew up in Key Biscayne, and I think that place has been there forever. Um, if that's the only thing in town, and that's all people are used to, and they're growing up on that, then that's what they love, right? I mean. That's one of the things um, about pizza. People gravitate. Cusquean
1: people have no good taste in pizza. No, that's all we're saying. They're a product of their environment.
0: <laughs> well, I, I will say. <laughs> th- I'm
1: sorry, Cusquean rats. I, I, I'm sorry. I,
0: I will say that they are a bit isolated there, um, and that's the trade off for living in a beautiful place. And that you know they get to drive around in their golf carts because they're too lazy to leave the island to go for different pizza.
1: Well, it's a couple of miles. It's it's so annoying to leave the island. I understand why you would settle for less.
0: But I will also say this, and and this is a cultural thing. And I find this when I travel. You know, well, I guess during COVID, I don't travel all over the world. But um, when I travel all over, I like to to have tried different pizzas in different places, and it's always you know there are always cultural differences. You know, with the toppings, the way, you know, the way um, the use of water and dough, you know, it it all has unique wherever wherever you are, it tastes different. Um, And I will tell you that the cultural the majority of the cultural makeup of Key Biscayne is mostly South American. Right. Um, I I mean, there's some Anglos there, uh, um, but it's really a, a South American culture there. Pizza in South America is very different than it is in the United States, and I think um, I've been to you know South America a few times, and the, the, and the, and the times that I had pizza there, sir, pizza's pizza is closer to that than traditional, um, you know, U.S. pizza, certainly uh, New York pizza. Uh, I
1: guess that's a very good point you made. I had not thought about that before. I. I spent some of my childhood in in Colombia. My mom's Colombian. I was born there. My father's Italian. So I know good pizza, like good traditional pizza. But now that I think back, uh, I can see what you mean. Like it's a different crust. It's usually thin but kind of crunchy, sweet flavors.
0: I'm going to tell you a secret about that crust. And a lot of pizza places do this in the United States. And I mean, listen, we could talk pizza all day long. I'd love that. But the, their crust is pre-made. It's or, or it's stretched through through a machine. You know, they use a press and then it's conveyor belt pizza. Okay, that is you know, just like a so Domino's, like, conveyor belt so pizza. So
1: like and pizza, like the the stack conveyor belt style thing is that we are referring
0: to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they basically it's conveyor belt pizza. Um, I mean and, and I'll tell you something, the one thing that that I could live with that. Like, if I'm on a, if that's the last pizza in the world, I could figure it out. <laughs> but the one thing, excuse me, the one thing that I cannot put up with is that diced pepperoni. <laughs> I have no patience for that. That is a real, real BS. Is that, actually,
1: is that real, pepperoni?
0: No, pe- well, first of all, pepperoni is an American, an American thing. It, 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 as an yeah. Italian, you know, it doesn't exist. The closest thing you can get to uh, pepperoni in Italy... Would be you know some type of salami, some cured or like meat, salad,
1: a sopressata, like or a,
0: or a capicola. So mm-hmm. uh, in terms of spice, but pepperoni is an American, an American thing, and you know I, again I could talk hours about pepperoni, um, and uh, there's a place I have a friend you know who we've discussed, uh, my friend Darren Izzo, who was in this family business, and they make. All the nat- best
1: pepperoni.
0: They, they, make, they make like all natural, you know.
1: Sp- you can taste it. You can taste <laughs> it. But I think that's my one. If I have to pinpoint my favorite thing about this country, about the United States, it has to be pepperoni.
0: It's that's ma- like
1: the best invention.
0: <laughs> you know, that's amazing. I mean, pepperoni's good, but. Um- it's amazing. <laughs> now you listen. The cu- the cup and I char pepperoni. Never,
1: I can never go vegan just because of pepperoni.
0: Well, I would agree with you there, and and by the way, I think and sausage. Although we didn't invent it, uh, the Italian sausage here to me is much better, like like on a dirty slice, than it is like when you have like a, a you know, um, a traditional Italian sausage. And I'm not talking about American made. I'm talking about if you're in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. I think the American sliced sausage i don't like it. i mean i like crumbled but i really like a fennel sausage that's sliced and that that cups and actually canoes like darren taught me this it's called bias cut you never see that the, the the sliced sausage that that curls up and, it, and they're like long long mm-hmm. pieces that's called yes. bias cut so they cut the, the sausage diagonal and not straight and okay. apparently, it's, it's, a, it's a very expensive machine, but it's the only way to get it. You used to be able to get that in New York all the time, but I think it's become too expensive. And I have not found, in Miami, I have not found a place, and if you know of one, please tell me, that sells bias cut sausage.
1: I have not seen that here.
0: It's too much. It's, yeah.
1: I love sausage, but I, I'm not a fennel person. I do not love the taste, like the fennelly taste. Like okay. a mild fennel is fine for me, but too fennelly that's too much. But I do love sausage or anything, you know, any anything made of pig. All
0: right. That's good to know. <laughs> you like guanciale then, yeah? Yes. Yeah, guanciale is amazing. Now, now you can't get that in a lot of places. I mean, I used to serve that here, but. Uh, not a lot of people serve it's too expensive.
1: I don't discriminate against any <laughs> any really.
0: a, any pig part. <laughs> any pig parts? I don't
1: discriminate. No, <laughs> okay. I love chicharrón, pork skin, pork awesome. belly, anything.
0: Pork rinds.
1: Mm.
0: You draw the line.
1: Well, I you know when I was growing up in Colombia, you would eat like all sorts of like pork sausages that were a little sketchy. To say the least, and I would eat them, no problem.
0: All right, now I like
1: pork rinds; I do like them. Okay,
0: it's all right; it's all right. It's just—I
1: don't want to think about <laughs> how they're made, but I—I I will eat anything pork, to be honest.
0: Okay, well, let, let's try to keep this at, at a PG level.
1: Any anything except for the snout—that—that that sounds like too much.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, pig jowl is pretty close to the snout. <laughs> um, but it's not the snap I, I got you okay the next thing and uh, that I wanted to ask you is about is your favorite frozen pizza I ask every guest the same thing so I need to know what your favorite frozen pizza is and okay. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear you're on the spot now and I'm not talking about no
1: you know. I, I know I have an answer
0: okay let me hear it
1: Trader Joe's I think it's called Piccolo Pizza.
0: Piccolo Pizza?
1: Yeah, it's from Trader Joe's in the frozen section. It's about $3. Okay. And I, it's, it, it's, it looks kind of like a flatbread. Okay. And it has little cherry tomatoes on top. So it's very small, but I cut it in half with scissors, and then I put a half in my air fryer. And really? I air fry it for like four minutes, and that's my go-to snack when, or when I'm craving pizza and I don't want to go out. So I usually keep like three of those in my freezer.
0: All right. I'm going to have to look into this. You're the first person that's ever told me about this, and <laughs> I, I'm, it's going to require some serious research. And the air fryer <laughs> thing, is that, is that a recommended thing that they do, or is that something that you do?
1: That's something I do because it's faster than an oven, and I don't have to wait for it to really preheat or anything.
0: Okay, but have you cooked it on its own before the air fryer? Uh, No. Interesting. I just figured
1: out the air fryer would be easier.
0: Okay, so it's a speed thing. I I got you. But it'd be interesting to do a taste test, right? To see.
1: Yeah, now I have have to do a taste test, now that you mentioned it. I mean, for me, it was convenient, but it also tastes fine. I add um, red pepper flakes on top, and it's like a quick lunch or, or meal or snack, whatever. Just because I cook so much every day that I don't feel like actually making food for myself. Like I spend the whole day baking a cake or making some sort of recipe. So by the time I have to actually eat something, I either order or eat something frozen. All right. Well, I,
0: listen, I learned something very new today, and I cannot wait to go down to tra- – maybe I'll go to – you know what's funny. I have to go down to the beach today, south of Fifth. I'm meeting a friend who doesn't <laughs> – Lives south of fifth, doesn't leave. So I'm gonna go down there and I'll when, on my way back I will stop at Trader Joe's and I'll pick okay. a couple up and I'm gonna to have to explain. There experiment.
1: may be a line, but that Trader Joe's always has a line now that there's like all the they do take the social distancing and
0: well, Very I'm, I'm okay with so that. So they
1: always have a line.
0: I'm okay with that. I mean, if you, you're, you're talking about a pizza thing I've never heard of, so I've got to go check it out.
1: Well, you uh, know, I actually wanted to ask you about another pizza place quickly. Uh, yeah, so, sure. And this is around, I know you're familiar with this area, so Steve's Pizza. I went to the same school as your children, so that was the go-to spot back in the day. I don't know if it still is. And I always strongly disliked. I don't want to say hated it, but I strongly disliked it
0: okay so I'm gonna I'm going to again I I, I don't want to talk badly about anyone or anything in the food world um, and I think that the business they've built there is like is an absolute mystery to me Um <laughs> That's what mystery. my father always
1: said.
0: <laughs> and I I, uh, and, and and when I say this, I I say this from a point of jealousy, okay? I'm not I don't I don't begrudge them success. Um because there is another slice place that's up the street that I don't want to mention the names that I think blows that place away.
1: Reviews?
0: Um blows it away. A- and anyway, and it's still it's still, you know, well, again, I don't want to get into negativity. At least with food, I do not understand, and I and, and I didn't understand this, and maybe that's why my restaurant failed here. Um, but I can tell you that I I do know that I never went to that place. Uh, I I've been coming to um, Bay Harbor, you know, for my whole life. I'm 52 years old. My grandparents lived in Bay Harbor. Since I was four. So, I uh, you know, spending time in Surfside, Florida, and Bay Harbor my whole life, um, whether it's visiting and now living, they never, my grandparents never took me there, ever. I never knew about Steve's until I moved down here, or when I was doing due diligence for the pizza place. And I went to Mario the Baker when Mario the Baker was good on Dixie Highway. And, I never got to
1: eat the well, good Mary, the baker. Yeah,
0: well, it was unbelievable. And I really? found it unreal. I found it late in life. I will tell you that when I went to Steve's, it's not for me. Okay? And what I didn't realize in South in South Florida, certainly in Miami, is this this overwhelming need to have savory foods injected with a level of sweetness in them.
1: Okay, I'm glad you bring that up. I did not know if it was a personal taste thing, but I think that sauce is sugary.
0: It is very – they definitely add sugar to their sauce, um, which, by the way, that's – It's it's normal. That's not uncommon because you're trying to cut out the acidity, but they go above and beyond. Especially
1: if you use acidic tomatoes. Yes. You have to. It's normal,
0: but – By the way, there's a line out the door at the place. People love it. I don't get it. I don't like – Sweet sauce at all, and theirs is just—it's beyond. But people love it, and th- that is the only explanation. And South Americans love sweet food, not just not 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 just not just. No, it's true. Cubans love sweet food. I mean, the guava and cream cheese. Oh,
1: have you ever had Cuban pizza?
0: Yeah, I don't want to get into that. Um <laughs> I think we're going to
1: offend too many
0: people. Yeah, listen, I will tell you. The Cuban sandwich, and I love Cuban pork, and I love I love the, the dishes that they make with with the rice and 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 you know with the, with the chicken and the, and the meat, whatever. I I, I love Cuban food, and I never ate Cuban food before um, before coming here. I love 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 Cuban food, but the obsession the the pizza is horrible. And again, it's not because look, there's a place in Florida. And I'm not going to mention the name. It's very famous. The Cubans love it. They swear by it, but they grew up on it.
1: I I know what you're talking about, <laughs> and
0: that's and we're not going to mention the name. No, you. You're not going to mention the name, and and um, because I don't want to, I don't want to. By the way, I don't want to denigrate people something that people love, but there's a reason. Uh, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier that people love what they grow up on, right? So we were talking about sir pizza and and how that 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 style. And by the way, sir pizza doesn't taste bad. Okay, it's just like I would never say, oh, let's run down to Key Biscayne and get that versus, uh, you know, I would drive a long way to get something that was amazing. Um, The people and the Cuban pizza, the Cubans didn't have access to the great ingredients. Right. But it's a comfort food and that's what they're used to. So this place that you and I are talking about is not for me. It's just I don't like it. I don't like it. It's just not it's not for me. And, um, but back to the Steve's thing, they crush it. They were the first, they were basically the first, first people doing the slice down here. Um, and you know, just like, uh, you know, Amazon was the first to sell books online, you know, first, first in the door, they get all the eyes. Right. So, uh, Steve's first make a slice, they got all that business and people from all over Miami go to Steve's and because that's what they grew up on. and I it's a, it's an amazing business. They, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it's an absolute amazing the, the business they do is you know
1: why because they don't I, okay, I'm not gonna talk badly, but they don't that place hasn't been remodeled in forever. The tables, I'm sure, have been there since the 80s, the same exact table.
0: But that's part of the charm, right? That's part of the charm. And in pizza, look, again, there are certain parts of the pizza world that have evolved, and it's a fine dining experience, and there are slice joints. And there are other slice joints in Miami that are, I think, that are that are better than that place, but you can't knock their business, and it's unreal. And, you know, kudos to them for figuring it out and not changing the interior. And and doing what they do, because it works for them. Um, well, Valentina, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and for those of you who don't follow Sweet Portfolio on Instagram, check it out. We didn't really get into this that much, but she spends a lot of her time uh, cooking these amazing recipes. Um, I don't know where she has the time or the energy, but she's like, she should probably open her own restaurant. Um, It's pretty incredible to see the stuff that she makes. Um, She does a really good job. I would only
1: open a restaurant if I have you as a partner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think think we're going to have to wait. Well, listen, if your mom gives me the lasagna recipe, then we can talk. But you have it. You just have to be able to sell it. Uh, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, thanks for being a great friend. And... um, Uh, please. I want to, I want to, I I mean, there's so much to talk about. I want to, I want to interview you again on completely different topics, all related to food. Um, so please come back.
1: I look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to me. My
0: My pleasure. Thanks again, uh, for, uh, listening to my and hopefully, uh, you're a little wiser. Like I said, a broken clock is right twice a day. They're eventually going to be right. But in the meantime, they're a bowl of wrong. Okay. A solid Olympic 10. Twice allergy. Twice allergy. Twice allergy. Hey, 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 Absolute zero. Nice allergy. Food, finance, and politics, and basically whatever I want to talk about.